We have chosen the theme for this Christmas season, these words, Christmas together. Together is an amazing word. It's a word that we hear used often. It could be in reference to a marriage. That marriage is together. A family, friendship, a workplace team. It is a word that in its implications has depth and has come to mean more to me than ever before in I'm sure you could say the same, because our togetherness has been tested. Maybe in one side, you've been with some people more than ever before, but then there are family members that you are separated from them more than ever before. And in both, there are challenges. With COVID and the challenges that it brings, the, the political challenges, our togetherness is troubled. There is a troubler of together. It's Satan, the enemy of our souls. He doesn't want your marriage to be together, your family to be together. He doesn't want the church to move forward together. He doesn't want it because he knows the power that there is when God's people are together. He's challenged our together from the beginning, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. That challenge of the enemy on our togetherness will never stop. But the good news today is that Christmas, it culminated in the heart of God seen through the Old Testament where he was always trying to be with us, his people, seen through the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the temple, God always entering our world so that we could be in his presence and that there would be that which would reconcile, restore. So at the birth of Jesus, one of the great names given is Emmanuel, God with us. And saint and sinner can be reconciled by the presence of this one who is Emmanuel. By the power and the presence of Jesus, we have this ability to move forward together. Even Jesus' prayer was that we would be as one, as he and the Father are one. Corinthians shows us that we are the body of Christ, and when the body functions well, it's powerful. Deuteronomy says that if one can put a thousand to flight, that two can put 10,000 to flight. The multiplied power when we're together. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 10 says, if we move together, if one falls down, he has others there to help pick him up. We are better together. That's something you can internalize for your friendships, any relationship, marriage, family, workplace team, for our church, for any church, we are better together. And because of the challenge, I feel the Holy Spirit asking us to, to really unpack this word. And let's start this Christmas saying, Christmas together. Can we just open our heart to the strength and vitality of God's living word today? So this is Romans 14, verse 19. 
And this is the message paraphrase. So let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. Just that statement could occupy the rest of our time. All of our energy being used for the purpose of getting along. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. To sum it up, we would agree that we would use our energy, words, and, words, and focus for this purpose of being together. If you're having questions about, but what about this and what about that, let's let the word be our guide. Because if we are called to move forward together, then the Bible is prepared to show us what it looks like and to allow us to hear what it sounds like. Because this idea of together has a certain sound and it looks a certain way. I invite you to consider Daniel. Daniel was told that he would have to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols, but that would be a violation of Daniel's convictions. That would violate the relationship he shared with God. Later, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are told that if you don't bow to the golden image, you will go into a fiery furnace. Daniel refused to eat what was on the menu that had been sacrificed to idols. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow. They were resolute. Come on, press in. What do you see? You see people resolute in their conviction. But listen to Daniel as he responds to the person in charge of demanding that he eat food sacrificed to idols. He is totally respectful in talking about his conviction and how he can't follow through with that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego look right at the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and says, look, be it known unto you this day, O king. Uniqueness about Hebrew and, and Greek languages. You get an idea of tone. The, the words create a picture and you're invited in where you can even pick up on what it must have sounded like. And the wording here, be it known unto you this day, O king, we will not bow. It was clear. It was concise. They acknowledged him as king. And it was respectful. But it didn't change their resolve. If you follow the story of Daniel, who was chosen by four pagan kings, just that alone demands research. Because you would think naturally that a, a king is going to choose somebody that is most in alignment in values. And yet these four pagan kings chose somebody who couldn't be more opposite in values. And if Daniel didn't know how to live out his convictions, then these pagan kings would have never chose him. He never had to compromise his standard when they passed a decree that only prayer could be offered to that, the, the king of culture. Daniel said, well, Daniel didn't say anything. The Bible says he just did as was his custom, as was his pattern. He went to his room. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem, which spoke of his orientation 
and heart for God, and he prayed. And when they threw him in the lion's den, it was the king who cared so much about Daniel. This conspiracy by 120 people who were jealous of Daniel's uh, level of influence with the king who conspired against him, he's now in the lion's den, and the king is the first person to show up the next day after Daniel had been thrown in the lion's den. And he finds that Daniel was still alive. And you ought to read the story of the lion's den and, and listen how Daniel talks to the king. Because Daniel knew what becomes clear when you read the story. In church world, we can often make the story about Daniel and the lion's den, but really it was about God trying to get through the heart of an evil king and he had a man named Daniel that knew how to be resolute and respectful. Do you hear it? Do you see it? Because the Bible has to set the sound, the sight. Matthew 18. It starts off with two people that had a fence they were troubled. They had disagreement. Their relationship breached, disconnected. So the teaching is that those two people with their issues, they wouldn't talk to anybody else. They would keep the matter between the two of them. What's inferred there is that way other people don't hear one side of the story and if two people that have issues resolve it, you don't have to think, who all did I tell? Because I need to go back to all of those people and say, we've got it, we made it right. So these two people, they keep it between themselves and they talk. Why would they even talk? Because Romans says we use all of our energy to get along. And if that's our heart, then we will follow the conflict resolution plan that Jesus gave. And you, you get with that person. You talk it out. And it may mean more than one. It may be a series where you gather and you talk it out. And if you can't get resolved between the two of you, you bring in a third person. Now there's only three people who know the issue. And that third person is, is going to help. See, the two of you won't resolve, but you're struggling getting it yourself. So you bring in that third person who can help arbitrate, who can help point out things. Because the ultimate goal is that we get reconciled. Now, it shows these two people. Lean in. What, what, do, we, what do we see? We see two people who had issues. They come together, just the two of them, and they haven't told anyone else. What do we hear? They're going to be speaking words of, I need you to forgive me. Or they'll give forgiveness. Either ask for it or give it. We forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Then, I want you to see what it says and hear it, because here's the sight and the sound of together. Truly, I tell you, whatever you, you is referring to the two people. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now watch, it adds a third. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Do you see the context now? Now what do we hear and what do we see? We hear two people getting things right between them, and then we hear two people come into the power of the prayer of agreement. What do we see? We see God responding in godly power to two people who have agreed in prayer after they have reconciled. What do we see? We see the presence of God dwelling among three people who have walked out this process of Matthew 18. That's together. In Joshua chapter 6, they've come through the Jordan River and now they're at the wall of Jericho. They have to take this city in order to go on into the promised land. And so Joshua gives these words, and again, message paraphrase starting Joshua 6, verse 6. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and told them, Take up the chest of the covenant, the ark of the covenant, which is the presence of God. Seven priests are to carry seven ram's horn trumpets leading God's chest. Then he told the people, set out, march around the city, have the armed guard march before the chest of God. And it happened. Joshua spoke. The people moved. Seven priests with their seven ram's horn trumpets set out before God. They blew the trumpets leading God's chest of the covenant. They did it every day for six days. On the seventh, they marched around, and on the seventh time, they added the shout of the people. So you have people marching with the presence of God in front of them. This certain horn that is sounding and the shout of the people unto God. And somehow, super came into the natural and the wall came down. And at the word of the Lord, they took the city. What do we see? We see the presence of the Lord we see people marching, that's cadence, that's rhythm, that's together. What do we hear? We hear the ram's horn. That is the horn that was only sounded after the victory. The people don't open their mouth for seven straight days until the seventh day, the seventh time around. What's inferred is that as that many people walk around a fortified wall, if they talked, it would just be natural to wonder, how are we going to do this? This is impossible. We don't have a battering ram. How can we scale the wall without the people of Jericho having all the advantage? So you would have heard opinion. And because you would hear opinion, you would hear a difference of opinion. Then you would experience the tension of people who are all following the presence 
have different opinions. And there would be a distraction from the presence to the opinion. So God gave instructions, and it's interesting. What do we see? The presence of God. What do we hear? Only the sound of victory. Every day, that's what they heard. We would transfer that to a New Testament reality as the sound of faith-filled praise. I'm praising God for what I believe he will do. I know what he's done. I'm going to only praise him for what, I'm going to praise him in this instance for what he will do. And when the people shouted, when the first time they opened their mouth, it was a shout unto God. And a natural wall with a natural enemy, it all was overcome. Now lean in and look and listen. What do you see? What do you hear? Could it be that right now, up against things where we all have our thoughts and opinions about it, we have challenges that are incredible, what if we make sure the presence of the Lord is our focus and the presence of the Lord is the way maker, the presence of the Lord goes before us? We fill our mind, our heart, the atmosphere of our home and our church with faith-filled praise. And when we speak, we will use our words to encourage. And could it be that all of these strongholds will be demolished because at that moment, are we not tapping in to weapons that are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds? I'm intrigued by the fact that they marched. Have you ever done a three-legged race? Here you are with another person, and you know, you're tied to them, and it doesn't matter how fast or slow you are. It doesn't matter how athletic you are or not coordinated. You're, you're now tied together, and the only way you make progress is to work it out, you work at it, and as you work at it, you, you find your rhythm. And as you find the rhythm, you make progress. I believe that the church is in that season right now. And we need to find our rhythm because our together has been troubled. And this isn't easy. And anybody who says they have it all figured out, they don't. And we're going to have to work it out. We're going to have to work together. All right? Who sets the rhythm? Galatians chapter 5. Let's look together. Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep Say the last part with me. In step with the Spirit. The Spirit is the metronome. The Spirit is the beat keeper. The Spirit sets the rhythm. And if I have a desire or passion, 
that is in conflict with the word. I bring crucifixion to that desire, that passion, and I get in step. And if I'm doing that, you're doing that, then we're going to find our rhythm as the people of God, and we can move forward as did Joshua and the people, as did Daniel. And he's still just the, such a prime example. I'll move to a close of this message, but let me take just a moment and say that if you're filtering this saying, you're talking about people moving forward together, but my personal life is in pieces, then I want you to know that God can put you back together. He's the very one who knit you together. You're here because of him, and I promise you that he can put you back together. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Let me give you Psalm uh, 18, and this again is from the message paraphrase, verse 20. God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. So if you've come in today and your life is shattered, I would pray that you would leave here and that verse 23 would be your, your testimony. Look at this. I feel put back together. Bring all the pieces before God and he'll bring the healing and the hope and the grace and the forgiveness. And then you leave going, I'm different than the way I came. You don't have to be fragmented, shattered, broken. That's the consequences of sin. And if by poor choices and sinful choices, you end up with shame and brokenness, like the prodigal who had gone as far as a person could go, we see the, the gracious, incredible love of God through that father who welcomed him home and restored everything it meant for that young man to be a son. And God can do the same for you. As the worship team comes today, in a moment I'm going to read one more passage, and I would like for you to think about it like this. If you were going to have some type of construction project going on, and it required the, the contractors to get into your backyard, but your gates were closed and locked, and you've got all the plans, and you have the skilled laborers, they're ready to go, and, and they're out in your driveway, but they can't go to work until you let them in. They have the material. They have the skill. The contract has been agreed upon. It's ready to go. Just let them in. What I feel in my heart is that the Word of God is the skilled laborer that is pulled right up in our driveway, wants to do a work in our hearts if we'll just let him in. Let the Word do it. I don't have the words. I've got to turn to his word. Well, I let the word construct my life on a foundation that is established. So with that, I want you to stand with me and I want to read this closing passage for Christmas together. This is Colossians chapter one, starting at verse 15. We look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything he created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, 
visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Can you say amen? He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all, say that word with me, together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it, say it with me, together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit, say it with me, together in vibrant harmonies, all because, here's the reason, his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. Christmas together, because there was a baby born, he was placed in a manger, born in a very real, cruel world, yet did not consider it robbery to take on flesh, to take on the form of man, to leave the perfection of heaven to the fallenness of this world. He grew in wisdom and stature. He went on to be the carpenter's son, entering ministry at age 30. He was tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. And then at age 33, in a mockery of a trial, they ended up beating him and hanging him on a cross and he didn't have to be there, he chose to be there. He suffered as they drove the nails in his hands and his feet. He suffered with the crown of thorns that was driven into his skull. He suffered to get every breath as he hung on the cross and finally he died. But on Sunday morning, he led the resurrection parade. He rose again. And because of who he is and what he's done, that middle wall of partition, separation, and division has been broken down. And we're brought near by the blood of Jesus. The answer for your marriage, the answer for your family, the answer for your workplace team, the answer for any relationship is Jesus being at the center. The way we will go forward and overcome is Christmas together. Nothing we're up against right now is too difficult for Him. For Him. And if we will press in to Him and then use all of our energy to get along and use our words to encourage and not to find fault, resolute and respectful, working the plan of forgiveness of Matthew 18, 
being very careful with what we say, the environment of praise that we set, always keeping the presence of the Lord before us. Then we can come together in prayer, the prayer of agreement, the language of love with the favor of God and the walls will come down and we'll move forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christmas together. With your eyes closed in the presence of God, I want to pray, but I want to declare that God reigns above it all. And as we declare this, it is part of our prayer and make it a time of surrender. Listen, everybody, listen to this. You are part of a kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And if we will submit to his word, we'll find everything we need to be who we're supposed to be and to move forward together. Let's sing it today. say, I need my personal life put back together by the grace and power of Jesus. If that is you, would you just raise your hand right now? I want to know who I'm praying for. Say, that's me. I see your hand. If you'd keep them up, I'll see them. That way I know who I'm praying for. Yes, thank you. Someone else? I need my life. Yeah. need my life put back together. This is your day. Anyone else? I need my life put back together. You can't move in together with anyone else until you make this choice. I see your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? It's a holy moment. Then let me ask this. Who would join me in lifting their hand saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm going tr- to give my best to that Romans 14 passage. I, I agree to use my energy, all of my energy in getting along with others. That's you, just raise a hand, mine's up. So Lord, I pray right now for the first group that wants grace to restore them. We know you can do this. So many of us in this room could talk about how you put the pieces back together. I pray, according to Psalm 18, that when they leave here, they will have that experience of your grace making them complete, a a sense, a reality in their heart that they haven't known for a long time. So they bring all the pieces before you, and now you start doing what only you can do. And I thank you for that. It's working, Lord. Very sincere responses all across this room to that need. And I thank you that you're responding. Secondly, God, we want this Christmas 
to be so intentional. We start here. We start with these passages. We see it. We hear it. We know the sound and the sight. And so, God, we're going to bring our heart in submission because we're part of a kingdom. We're part of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. If we will submit to this, then you can do the work that only you can do. I thank you, God, for your relevant, powerful, incredible, infallible word. We let it in as the skilled laborer to build in us Christ-likeness. We let it in to do the work that it is destined and assigned and sent to do. It won't return void. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's give him praise today. He's so good. seated for just a couple of minutes we are going to stay in this train of thought for the next few weeks and so come back bring people with you and let me make sure that on your calendar you know that December 23rd we're gonna have a Christmas Eve Eve service we will have communion we're gonna light candles across this place as we worship to me it's one of the most special times and I want you to be aware of it. I want you to attend. I want you to bring friends and family. And I know it will be so special. We have great things happening. Would you welcome Pastor Justin as he comes to share the remainder of our announcements? Man, such an incredible word. So good to be together this morning. Whether you're at home, whether you're here in this room, I want you to take just a second and connect with us. We have it on the screen. Uh, you'll see it there where you're home on your computer screen. But if you would, just connect and let us know you're here. We'd love to just keep you up to date with everything happening. Uh, make sure you're plugged into all the great things that God is doing. As we look at this week, I'm excited. It's one of the most meaningful weeks of ministry that we have. We have the opportunity to partner with foster families here in the Oklahoma, yeah. uh, state of Oklahoma. We have almost 450 children signed up to receive what you see behind me. Wow. Now, for a lot of you, as, as you look at all of these gifts, it, it's a little bit overwhelming because you think of the tradition of Christmas and all of that. But this morning, I want to remind you, it, it's not about tradition for these kids. Some of their past experiences aren't what we've had for Christmas, but, but this is setting a precedent and a promise that they're loved, that they're cared for, for safety and security, and the hope that their tomorrow can be even better than what they've experienced up until this yeah. point. And we get an opportunity to do that. This year we have uh, sent out a request to families and the guardians of these children had the opportunity to hand select the gifts that they would receive. They gave us not only the wants of the children, but the needs. So we get to meet a felt need this year as we distribute presents to over 450 kids here at our church. Wow. For a lot of us, maybe that context doesn't, doesn't quite fit because of, of what we're used to, but I, I don't want to miss the moment for what this means for families, for the memories that they're going to be creating. We've all had a tough year in some way. This year has been so unique in what we've experienced. And how special is it that God has entrusted us with these children? 
He's entrusted us with little boys and girls whose past experience may not be of a loving father, of a home that's stable, but we are going yeah. to bring yeah. the gift of love to them this yeah. holiday season. Yeah. So this morning, if you'll stand to your feet, we're gonna take up an offering as you leave this place. You can put neighbors and nations on the bottom. We budgeted $100 for every child that's gonna be coming through these doors. And I want you to reflect on some of the memories and some of the moments that you've had over Christmas. And I want you to ask God, God, what can you use me for during this season? It's about so much more than gifts. It's about so many more things than just that. But this is a tangible way that we create long lasting memories of the first Christmas that some of these kids may receive presents or that they may really feel loved by someone who didn't have to do that. And you get to partner with God in that. And so I wanna pray and I want you to ask God, God, what can you use me for? With what you've given to me and the resources, how can I be a blessing during this holiday season? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, you've been so good. God, your undeserved love, mercy, and grace have brought us to this place this morning. And God, we thank you for opportunities to do what you've called us to do and be who you've called us to be. God, you've empowered this church with a genealogy of generosity. God, you see who's in this room this morning. You see the kids who will be coming this week. You see the family. You see the dynamics. You see the context. You see every moment. And God, we pray right now that there would be powerful moments of anointed ministry as we look at what you've called us to do during this holiday season. God, set our eyes upon you and help us come together to be the church that you need us to be for this time, for this place, for this season. You've called us to be stronger than ever. God, I pray that you help use us to step up and make a difference during this season. And we give you the praise. God, we give you the adoration and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand, I want to say thanks to you and your team. As that video rolls, know that they went the extra effort. We have built bikes in the past, and it's such a fun thing to do and met a need. But this year, we couldn't do it that way. But I think that this idea is, is as great, if not greater, because of how specific it is. But your communication with all of these parents, for them to relay back what they want, the ordering, all of these packages started arriving. And then you see hard work that this team's been doing to organize them, prepare them. And this Saturday, they will be given in the love of Jesus. And I just think it's extraordinary the way you pivoted to make this happen. And it's gonna be our best ever. Can we praise God for the team that made this happen? Amen. Thank you for doing it. It is bold. It's $100 per child, and it's so worth it. So today as you leave, I'll just be reminded, if you're writing a check, you just designate whatever you want to go to foster care ministry to neighbors and nations. The date of this weekend, it'll go all to that. I would love for you to sponsor a child. Kelly and I are in. Will you join us? And let's underwrite the full cost of all of these kids getting this blessing. God will bless you for it. I love you so much. Have the best day. You're dismissed.